Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. On the viewpoint. Since the announcement of the lockdown, predictions were made about the impact of COVID-19, particularly on young entrepreneurs. And of course, the estimations were made and various relief funds were set up. But the hit of COVID was certainly felt by Mr. Temba Letu Pamba, as well as Mr. Dan Brotman. We're now in conversation with these two young gentlemen who tell us about the journey they have walked, in particular in the last six months. Founder of Innovate, Mr. Dan Brotman is on the line. Good evening, Dan. Thanks for your time. Dan, things were looking good. In fact, the last time you and I spoke, you told me just before COVID hit and the lockdown happened, your business was looking and looking up. And then, of course, things have since went a belly up. Tell us about the experience so far and how your fortunes have changed, particularly the impact of COVID. Well, I started Innovate four years ago. Uh, we were a company that took South African business leaders to 10 countries around the world to learn about innovation and how to do business globally. And we were growing uh, year on year. We were working with many more corporates, with government departments, and it was a very exciting startup to be part of. I would say that, you know, things got very hard for small businesses, including my own, probably about a year ago when, uh, you know... This sorry, Dan, sorry, Dan, can I just interrupt? Whoever's doing the dishes there, could you ask him or her to hold up or could you find another room, please, because we're getting feedback from that. No problem. Thank Is you. Is this better? Indeed. Okay. Um, so I was saying that... Um, we started the company four years ago, and we were growing yes. year on year. Uh, we were a company that took South African business leaders to 10 countries around the world to learn about innovation and how to do business globally. We were working with some of the largest companies and government departments in the country. We, were in, we had a, a team of seven full-time employees as well as consultants. We started the business with Investec. And it was it was very exciting to grow a uh, a new company. Um, I would say about a year ago, things started to get very difficult because the economy in the country was really starting to hurt. Uh, companies were cutting budgets left, right, and center in order to not have to retrench people. And even before COVID, business confidence in South Africa was at its lowest level since April 1985. Um, so, you know, it was it was a real struggle leading up to COVID to sort of ensure that we had a, a pipeline just because everyone was cutting their budgets. But when COVID hit, especially because we were in the travel and the learning and development space, you know, we, we didn't have reserves to go, who knows, a year, maybe more without being able to take people overseas. We Very, very few small businesses in South Africa have enough cash in the bank to last a, a year plus without revenue. So we made a very difficult decision this past March uh, when we realized that travel wasn't going to be possible for the rest of the year to wind the company down. Uh, and initially, it was a very painful process. But ultimately, looking back at it, it was an experience that helped me grow immensely as a person. 
I mean, you say it's, I mean, your, your motto was growth through global exposure. And I think the niche that you were operating in was taking young entrepreneurs and as opposed to South Africa being the investment destination where we are always consuming the outside markets in as good as that is. It was also important for you and hence the concept tying in with your passion of exporting South Africa's brilliance, particularly through its young people, of course, being funded by these organizations who obviously had to engage in cost-cutting measures. Talk to us about the true value then in taking young people with their experiences, exposing them to the greater world out there and the returns ultimately for South Africa and South Africans. Well, uh, looking back at what we did as a company, I mean, we probably took over 1,000 South African entrepreneurs uh, out of the country to promote their businesses and to promote the country uh, itself. You know, in South Africa, we're often very focused on the local market, but what we don't realize is that we are good enough to compete globally, but we often just don't know how to do business outside of our borders. For many of the entrepreneurs that we took abroad, it was their first time leaving the country. And even if they had been overseas before, it was their first time in a business context, uh, seeing how things are done. Um, you know, when I look back at the impact we had on these businesses, um, many of these businesses uh, wound up expanding internationally as a result of these trips, which, of course, meant that uh, they employed more people in the country. Uh, and it meant that, you know, South African greatness was being exported. Uh, one of the trips that uh, I, I look back on very, very fondly was, um, if you remember, uh, President Ramaphosa had an investment drive, I believe, to attract 300 billion rand of foreign direct investment into the country. And we felt that if we wanted to get investors overseas to be excited about investing in South Africa, they actually needed to see South Africa's future, not only mm-hmm. um, sort of older business leaders. So we took a group of 40 of South Africa's top emerging business leaders under the age of 40 to Silicon Valley. And we spent an entire week promoting investment into South Africa and the enormous potential that this country has. Um, that I, when, you know, when I look back at the many, many, many trips that we did, I think that one makes me uh, probably the most proud. Let's continue the conversation. Thank you so much for those preliminary thoughts there, Dan. Tembaletu Pamba, founder of Airport Car Parking Services at Oartambo and Lanseria. And it's quite obvious why you would have gone bust, because the airports are hardly spaces that everybody has been to. Good evening, Temba. Thank you for your time. Good evening, sir. Uh, Thank you for for, for, for connecting me. You've had a very difficult time. Not only did the airports literally go quiet and all the planes go in hangars, of course, there were no parking services that you could offer. So as soon as international travel ban was there, that was it for you. How much longer did it take for you to communicate then the message to your staff that, well, the end is clear. And fortunately, it's a message you didn't really have to justify because everybody knew about it. Tell us about your experience and in having to ultimately close shop at airport car parking services. Thank you for your chance uh, uh, and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I'm sorry, as you said, uh, my name is Ken Vapamba, uh, the owner and the founder of Airport Car Parking Services uh, that are, is operating our Tambo and Nanzaria Airport. Uh, oh, it's, uh, it's a very, uh, very, very difficult time, especially uh, city services. I, I started uh, four years back. 
uh, when I saw the need at the airport where people are struggling, they're paying a lot of money at the airport, especially in terms of parking and stuff. So uh, I decided to start this company first back that is been growing very, very, very well. Uh, and then until the COVID-19 came and destroyed everything that we worked so hard for it. So that is not the end for you because I understand you had to go home. And just for the record, you come from the great place of in the Whittlesea district of the wonderful province of the Eastern Cape. You went there and COVID hit home and hit home very hard. You lost your mother. 100%. Sir. Uh, after a week, I think I was coming from PE uh, to your friend. That's when uh, I hear that the airport is closing down. And then I decided that, okay, this is the time that I need to go and sit down and, and spend time with my mom because she was not feeling well. Uh, unfortunately, after two weeks, my mom, she passed on. I had to bury her. But uh, at the time that I was still there, I observed, I think, uh, I think this thing comes as you, as you keep on going. And then I observed that there the, the is no space in our local town, which is where see. That's when I had to make plans of opening one, of which is running currently. While the airport is well now, is starting to come slowly, slowly, but now we're also back on the line at the Elartam airport. And it happened, uh, the lockdown started uh, uh, a week after we opened Nanzaria airport. Just after a week, we operation and everything, we had to close down as well at Nanzaria because uh, there was a lockdown. You can't keep a good man down, and if their names are Tembaletu and Dan, you especially cannot keep them down, because every time they fall, they rise. We are in conversation then with two young entrepreneurs who have not let the circumstances occasioned by COVID-19 on their businesses keep them down. We're going to talk about the companies that they have since started in the time of COVID for the purposes of responding to the market conditions and also keeping true to their entrepreneurial spirit. You want to engage them? Give them a call, 0891-104-207. Dan, let's have a conversation with you because you then had an idea to respond directly to covid You've incorporated since and a company that is registered in the Netherlands. Tell us more about that and how it is going. So, as I mentioned, I mean, we took a thousand people overseas. So I had the privilege of meeting so many incredible entrepreneurs from throughout the country. I, it was actually sort of by chance. Uh, maybe it was in about late April. I got a call from one of the entrepreneurs who had been on uh, a trip of mine, who I hadn't actually spoken to in a few years. And she said that she had an idea to start a new business where we would find incredible te technology overseas and bring it into sub-Saharan Africa. And in fact, she had come across a rapid COVID test being developed in the Netherlands that she thought would be very suitable for South Africa, especially given what we're going through right now. And so we put a group of seven entrepreneurs together and we formed a company called Connect to Africa. Uh, and that's precisely what we're doing is we are looking for incredible uh, technology products in various sectors uh, and helping bring them into South Africa and into sub-Saharan Africa. So we've only been doing it for a few months and I never thought that I would be doing anything related to medical technology. But I think that after my business shut down, I just really opened my mind and I said, you know what? I always imagined myself being in travel, but that's not possible right now. So why don't you mm -hmm. just open your mind to what else, whatever, whatever comes your way. You can do, you know, you, you can do anything. 
And so when this opportunity came my way, I said, you know what, let's do it. And that's what we've been working on for the past couple of months. Fundamental in all of that was being able to tap into an existing network, a network that in the previous instance of the life of it anyway, you were not necessarily the protagonist, but you are the one who opened up opportunities for her. And of course, the value of network thus became quite useful for you. Just tell us now, young people who've got ideas, who've got skills, who might be short on some of those basic elements like capital or access to land or access to who knows what, the value of network, Dan, you're a master in this field. Can you just spend time talking therefore to young people who hopefully will communicate with us when they call on 0891104207? The value of network equaling in many instances net worth. So prior to starting my business, I was in the nonprofit space, and I just never saw myself starting a for-profit business. I said, you know, I don't have experience in it. You know, I, haven't, I, I don't have tons of experience doing financials and tons of experience in sales. And I wound up meeting my then business partner, and he brought complementary skills to the table. So I brought certain skills, and he brought skills that I didn't have, and together, it created a whole picture. And I think, you know, when you, many young people think that, oh, I can never start a business because I don't have the right network or I don't have access to capital, as you said, or I don't have experience starting a business. But something that I've learned is that you don't have to have it all. Each one of us brings certain skills to the table. Uh, and no one person is going to have all the right skills to start a business. So, you know, for me, I think it's, it's, uh, it's very important to, to, to meet as many people as possible because you just never know when you're going to need that person with those particular skills to complement yours. Um, and again, and even just looking at what, you know, what the venture that I'm working on right now, I don't have any experience in medical devices, but I have experience in other areas that we need in this business. And we have people in the business who have experience in medical devices. So it completes the whole picture. So that would be my advice to young people. You don't need to have it all. Recognize the skills that you do have. Recognize the skills that you're lacking. And uh, seek out people that have those missing skills because together you can uh, create a complete picture. And for you, Mr. Pamba, your skills are around transport. How much then of the business that you have now supplying motor spares to the community of Whittlesea and those who are accessing the former Suskai with the former Republic of South Africa in the R67 route between Queenstown, Fort Beaufort, Ellis, and you go into deep parts of the Eastern Cape and then the short side of the Karoo, your Adelaide and your Bedford. Whittlesea is quite a busy route then. How much of the experience you took from the aviation industry when you were at home just after burying Mama did you think this could work? Because you are right, there isn't a motor space shop there and the economy in that region is very depressed. Tell us how you got into that and how it has been so far. Thank you, Veta. I think the, the most thing that uh, I did was to, as I'm running the airport car parking service, and I've always been involved when it comes to cars, because what I did uh, in my company, we, we have a sector where we, 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 we fix cars. If the client has got a scratch or the car needs to go to service, we're working with some of the dealerships and also with some of the mechanics around. So 
it gave me a little bit of knowledge of knowing about the past and stuff. And then that's when when I got home and then I saw uh, that there's none and people are struggling to source parts from uh, from our region instantly. So what I did is to to get a place in Johannesburg where I be able to source the parts and be able to to supply to my shop. So uh, after talking to some of the taxi industry, uh, getting to people and also, and then I, I, I saw the need that they really, really need something that we can be able to help them. That's when I decided to say, okay, let me hustle more and be able to, to get an open one so that I can be able to supply my people around my place. So uh, as I did say that uh, the only thing that I've learned Sometimes it's just to, 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 to trust yourself and be able to be open-minded and learn and be flexible about anything. Because if you're going to keep on saying that you can't do it or you don't know anything about it, you, you just keep on learning. You just keep on learning because no one knows everything, but as you keep on learning, you keep on learning, you become better with everything that you want to do. Trust yourself. Yes. Be open-minded. Yes. Keep on learning the basic tenets that have allowed Mr. Pamba to lose his job in the aviation services providing transport and parking services at Oartambo and Lanseria, to lose his mother within a fortnight of that, to dust oneself off, pick up and try again because he trusted himself, he remained open-minded and he was prepared to learn. Lubabalo in Durban, he wants to contribute to this conversation. Good evening, Lubabalo, your thoughts? Good evening, Songhez. I'd just like to um, ask a question to one of the guys that um, that was talking about um, that you don't need capital for businesses um, and, and connections. I'm from a, the rural part of, of South Africa, even when I'm in Durban. It's difficult to even start a business because I have two business ideas, and it's difficult for me to start them because, number one, I don't have capital to buy everything. For instance, I need a 3D printer. And I don't have I don't have any connections that people of people that do have to the printer. So what advice can you give me so I could at least maneuver my way through the the beginning of my business? Dan, let's talk about the remote areas that are sometimes removed from access, whatever the access might be that is required at the time. How then can the geography and the impact of the geography be circumvented? I'm going to ask you this question, and I want Mr. Pamba as well to respond to that because he can probably relate in the circumstances of his to Lubabalo quite, not necessarily better, but he can certainly relate to that. But I'm giving you an opportunity to respond first because it was posed to you, Dan. So I absolutely agree with the caller that, you know, people that are based in large cities are much more likely to know people who have uh, maybe... Uh, scarce skills or who have access to capital or who had connections at the right corporates who could potentially be clients. And I do think that people who are in more rural areas are probably at a disadvantage. What I have seen, however, is there are some incredible both public and private sector programs uh, that help entrepreneurs uh, regardless of where they're located in the country. I mean, one such program is Raise Corp, but there are many of them. Um, so my my advice would be to actually seek out a very strong uh, en- um, enterpri- enterprise and supplier development programs being run by corporates and uh, government programs that maybe specifically target small businesses in rural areas. 
there are programs out there. They do provide mentorship and capital. But I, uh, I do recognize uh, what the caller is saying because, mm-hmm. you know, it, ultimately one builds very strong networks in large cities where capital is located. And it must be very, so, very difficult for people in peripheral areas. Mr. Pamba, you would understand that being in the, on the periphery because I suppose you have straddled both of these spaces where Dan has just about exclusively operated in the cities and Lubabalo in the marginalized space that resembles in many respects Whittlesey where currently your business is now. How then can one who is your neighbor in Whittlesey now who wants to provide a service that complements what service you are offering, let's say a Lubabalo of Whittlesey, how can that person get onto the space where they are economically active whilst you are aware of the nuances that are challenges in such spaces? I mean, there isn't information readily available there as you would find in the city. There aren't nearly as many people who you could tap into even for counsel because of the kind of intervention you want to make is probably foreign a concept altogether. How then do you make up for the absence of resources and absence of, let me say, mentorship and or advisory skills that are available? How do you get around all of that? Mr. Pamba. This is a this is a very a, a difficult thing, especially when it comes for to source the funding from government or to get uh, uh, some money from institutes, government institute. Uh, from my side, uh, as I never even uh, wasted my time in terms of applying for the funding we got from government. Uh, I think the only thing that really really helped me uh, is to be able to in my business and to able to save as much as I can as I was running my business in Johannesburg. So uh, that really prepared me and be able to, to say, okay, this is the time now that I'm ready to be able to, to open a second uh, business that I can be able to sustain my life. Uh, in terms of funding and stuff, uh, uh, I think the most important thing and also the most thing that people are always complaining about is about I can't start a business because uh, I don't have money, uh, because I don't have funding and stuff like that. I don't have an investor and all those things. And sometimes your, your dreams, they get delayed because of that. Uh, I, I normally say that uh, if you have anything that you can be able to sell and be able to, once you sell it, you can buy yourself a printer. Start from there. Because if you're going to wait, you're going to keep on waiting and waiting until Jesus comes. So uh, uh, my advice is always to say, if you have anything that you can be able to sell, you can be able to get something that can help you to grow your business. That's the only way to. If you don't have any someone or you don't have no one that can be able to help you in terms of growing your business or starting your business. That certainly speaks to the aspect of being open-minded. In other words, whilst your critical path is to be able to get a 3D printer so then you can be this creative that you want to be, Lubabalo, the open mind mm-hmm. aspect that uh, Utemba spoke about is be prepared to deviate a bit from that critical path, get that injection, because in any event, an injection would be a deviation from the critical path, open mind itself something, get that necessary capital, and then you can get back onto the critical path. Knowing very well, for that matter, that what you would have sold, if there's a market for it, in itself could become a business venture. Closing comments then, Dan. Where do you see things happening post-COVID, during COVID? How are small businesses supposed to survive all of this? Well, I think it's very, very concerning. Um, 
as I mentioned, I mean, business confidence was at its lowest level since 1985, pre-COVID. Um you know, what would I like to see happen during this very difficult period? I would like to see the government enact reforms that make it easier for small businesses to be established and grow in this country. Um, I predict, I mean, in, in very developed countries, even countries like Canada, they're predicting that close to 50%, 5-0, of small businesses are going to close down. And, you know, just given where we were economically prior to COVID and given you know, the, the, the type of red tape and uh, legislation that's not always friendly to small business, I'm predicting that we could lose anything from 60 to 70% of small businesses in this country. So what I would like to see government do is, uh, is think about what do we do the day after COVID? So the day after COVID, we maybe will have lost over half of the small businesses in the country. That means that entrepreneurs um, are going to need to start over. And how do we make it as easy as possible for, possible for them to start over uh, when COVID is over? Uh, we have this unique opportunity right now to make some structural reforms. And um, I think it would be a real shame for us not to take advantage of this period right now and do that. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Final comment then from you, Mr. Pamba. Rural economy, how can we inject life in rural economy because things in those spaces are very tough, no tougher than Whittlesea. How do we get more Mr. Pambas out there to go back home and work? That's a, a good question. Uh, it's, a, it's a very challenging thing, uh, a very disturbing thing, especially in our rural areas. There's no infrastructure. Uh, there's nothing that you get from our rural towns. And if you notice, all of us, we leave our towns and go and look for work uh, far away from our places. Once we get the work, we even forget about where we're coming from. So I think we really need young people that are very, very, very uh, looking forward in entrepreneurial genius and start to plow a plant back from, to, to our rural towns. Uh, if we can come together, and we sit down, we see things that we really, really need. I think we can be able to to help, especially the, the young generation that is coming, to understand that sometimes we don't have to leave our towns to go uh, look for jobs in Gauteng or Cape Town or whatever to be able to survive. We can create our work on our own and be able to sustain ourselves and our families in our towns. The only thing that we need, we really need to get people that they can come together we sit down, we, we, we plan how we can be able to bring our, uh, our economy back in our rural towns. There's so much potential. If you can sit down like agriculture, go to agriculture, you don't even get more people in agriculture. There's so many things that we can come up and be able to provide for ourselves and be able to sustain our business in our rural areas. I think for me, if we can be able to sit down, even those that are in the honest, they're in Cape Town, dead and whatever, we come, we sit down, we, we see what we can do to be able to work things are very bad in our towns. Fantastic. Medical Devices, that's his new business, Mr. Don Brock, Mr. Dan Brotman. We thank you so much for your time, as we do you, Mr. Tembaleto Pamba, car motor spares in the marginalized space of Whittlesea. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being so candid with your truth and owning it as you have. My takeaway from this is indeed, trust yourself, be open-minded, and be prepared to learn. Those are the words of Mr. Pamba, and Dan simply said, 
be prepared to move out of your comfort zone. He knows nothing about medical devices. He is now in business of medical devices. Gentlemen, thank you indeed. That's the end of the show, folks. Thank you so much as well for your message there, Ms. Tozama. I don't see the surname there, but indeed, you've enjoyed this conversation. I bet you didn't enjoy it more than I did. That's the show, folks. Thanks so much. Final day tomorrow for this week. Let's be on air at 8 together. Bye-bye.